folks, welcome to the Wally McWalterson Show. My guest today has a resume so long that it would take an entire podcast to talk about. Uh, he is an incredible, fucking amazing guitarist, amazing musician. Let me not delay this. Please welcome Ryan Harris. What's up, Ryan? What's up, my man? How are you? It's good to see you again. You too, bud. It's been a long time. What you got there in the glass? And none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of the podcast yeah. go juice, huh? Yeah, it's a little, yeah, uh, green, uh, purple juice. I guess you could see it, right? It's uh, <laughs> You're drinking the purple. <laughs> what's funny is because I am mixing, like, on one cup, I'm mixing a little bit of wine and water just because I know it's like around noon and I don't want to drink that much, as if you know. And uh, and this cup, I have my coffee. So nice. I have, I ha I'm doing sort of the same thing. I have a coffee and I have a water. It's not quite as hardcore as the go juice, but at least, at least I have options. Yeah. Well, trust me, I, as a musician that you are and traveled all over, I'm pretty sure you had enough, enough go juice. <laughs> I've, had, I've had my share of go juice. It's, it's kind of nice to just drink the coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you're in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh. Now, that's where you grew up in, in uh, Pittsburgh? Outside of Pittsburgh, yeah, probably about like 20 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. I've been there a couple of times and I did like it. It was a nice college town kind of feel, Great. you know? It's a great city. I've had the typical, when you grow up in any place, you want to get out of it. You know, it's just sort of a growing up, yeah. everybody does that. But then I got out of it and I saw a lot of other cities and I, I realized through seeing other places how great Pittsburgh actually is. I was going to ask you that because I know, I didn't think I saw any of the, the music scene in Pittsburgh when I was there, but uh, I think it was just because I was there for a, a game or something. But Mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask you, what is the music scene like in Pittsburgh uh, when you grew up anyway? Well, when I was here, I, I don't I, right now, I'm, I don't think there's much of a yeah. music scene anywhere with the COVID. But um, I, I haven't been around here in a while. But when I when I was here with my first band, it was a decent scene. Um, I mean, all I could say is we did well and we're able to tour and Keep sign a deal. And so as a kid growing up in Pittsburgh, I'm trying to picture this like a young ryan harris uh trying to become a guitarist like what made you become a guitarist what, what, was it someone that you saw on tv or some influence i i knew nothing i don't come from a musical family i mean you know like my parents they, they like music but none of them play music nobody in my family plays music uh so you, you were self-taught right I, yeah, I taught myself how to play the guitar. I started taking piano lessons when I was like eight years old. And it, it wasn't really my thing. I enjoyed it, but it was like studying, going to the lessons, like I, the reading the music and everything. I mean, it, uh, it works for some people. It didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I think my teacher might have saw that one day because she told me to go to the store and get anything I wanted to play. And I went and I got uh, November Rain by Guns N' Roses. And I went in and she looked at it. I mean, it was way above my level. I wasn't yeah <laughs> and she goes uh, she's like okay just uh like learn learn the first page and come in next week and whatever you know so i came in next week i played the whole song and i was like oh okay because i knew what it was supposed to sound like so if i knew what it was supposed to sound like and i had the music as a guide then I, then i was good but so fast forward i um got a guitar whenever i was probably like 14 years old and um i had kiss alive too, the album <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah yeah and and i took the the insert has them like there's like pyro going off and they're coming down on their little like riser things and ace freely's playing a cherry burst les paul and i showed my mom this picture i was like i want that guitar 
And my parents didn't know anything about, about guitars or music or anything. So they just went to some pawn shop and they were able to find a knockoff Les Paul that looked exactly like it. And uh-huh. when I opened it, I thought I had the thing. I thought I had the actual thing. I was like, this is amazing. I have that guitar now. So <laughs> I could smell uh, yeah. <laughs> Kiss's sweat on the fret. It even had a little bit of makeup on it still. No, but <laughs> so from that point on, I was just obsessed with it. I just played it all, all the time. Isn't that cool you, though? You know, like we experienced this as, uh, and we're like, I'm dating our age right now, but uh, back in the days when we opened up an album. Hey man, I'm as like, young as I'll ever be right now. <laughs> I like that. But uh, remember, you know, opening up records, it was so much fun to open up and then you have the lyrics or then you have a story or something. Like, we yeah. don't get that anymore. It, that That's so missed. I, I miss that so much. I think to a degree, I think to a degree, that's why vinyl is having the resurgence that it has had mm. over the past couple of years. Because like, it's cool to stream and it's real nice and convenient. Put your AirPods in, listen to Spotify or iTunes or whatever. And you don't, you can have as much as you want without you know, changing yeah. the CD or the, you know, have to tote a case around with you, but like, you're still getting something like whenever you buy a vinyl, you're getting the package and you can go through that experience. I, I think, I don't think that's lost. It's a little bit lost, but. Well, and, and then we also gain it though, as I notice with documentaries, I guess that kind of makes up for it. And also like our heroes are in podcasts now and it's kind of know, funny crazy. to listen to them and tell their stories. And I'm like, whoa, I went through that. That's kind of cool. You know, and then it's cool you that people connect. have a platform to do, to just be creative on their own. Like, yeah. You could take one side and hate on it and be like, oh, you're starting a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. Or you can take the other side and be like, I'm going to express my thoughts, my whatever, through the medium that is available to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, when I was a kid, I was like a closeted drummer, and I snuck out. Like, while my mom was at work and my sisters were out or playing or whatever. I would take out the pots and pans and hit them with the wooden spoons and all that because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to drum because I heard Nirvana, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I want to be that. So I used to really dent my mom's uh, pots and pans. And I think from now on, I'm just going to start ordering pots and pans without her knowing as a, like a gift every year, you know, like a, sorry. Oh, to replace, to replace her damaged goods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the stuff that she doesn't know. She never knew it came from me though. She was just like, why is this? But so I'm thinking, you, I'm thinking you, how, how did you start off? Like when you were playing, you must've listened to music over and over. Right. Cause that's what I feel like a self yeah, I, person is. I would just, uh, I would just put, at the time they were CDs, I just put CDs in and obsessively try to figure it out. And like, uh, I had this little amp, this little amplifier it was like one of those, it had a strap you could actually put over your shoulder. Yeah. It was a tiny little thing. And but that's the amp that I had and it ran on nine volt batteries. I came to the under, I came to the realization that like a new nine volt was a very clean sound. And when the nine volt would start to die, whenever it was about halfway, half life, yeah. the guitar would distort. So then I had distortion. That makes sense. That makes sense. I remember that. (laughs) So I went through this figuring out process of like, well, I don't really, I mean, I I like clean sounding guitars, but distortion is more fun. Um, So I'd figure out ways to like, okay, I have this new nine volt battery. Well, um, this, whatever it was that my mom's mixer has a half used nine volt in it. So I'd swap them out and I'd take the half nine volt and put it in this amp and just like play distortion, try to figure (laughs) it out. I was thinking maybe you were going to like neighbors' houses and knocking on doors. Trading, 
yeah, trading no, no, no. new batteries for old ones. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you happen to have uh, an old battery? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's for my music career. They're like, uh, you're, you're a weird kid, man. <laughs> yeah. But someday argue. I'll be weird and famous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> someday I'll be weird and I'll know how to play the guitar. <laughs> now, do you have a go-to music, like a go-to uh, song to uh, warm up to? Like the one thing I like, so I you like Kiss. Guitar, Kiss a lot. Yeah, so. I can see that. Yeah, he has posters That's, of Kiss right in the hey back. Man, the, they can't Kiss. see it. So yeah, man. It's, you know, it's funny. Oh, like, we're just audio. Gonna, we're just audio. Yeah, yeah, we're just audio. Okay, okay. Uh, I guess I should have told you that. I didn't give you all the information. Here he is. He puts on like makeup and stuff, and now he realizes it's audio. He looks like Kiss right now, folks. He has the Kiss look- makeup. <laughs> I showered, man. I showered. I thought I had to be presentable. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's not that kind of podcast. I, I learned by, I learned just by putting in CDs. I, you know, I, I listened to Kiss a lot. I listened to Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin a lot, Aerosmith. Uh, I got to, it came to like pop the CDs in and figure out what I could figure out. It's funny because uh, the first band that I actually joined um, was a variation of what ended up being a, a band that I had called Cherry Monroe. Um, yeah. But, I heard about that. So we, we started as a cover band and my buddy Ryan, I met with him one day and we're just jamming songs. And like, um, I met them through a mutual friend uh-huh. and they had a show on a Saturday and their guitar player that they had at the time couldn't do the show. So they called me on Tuesday and they were like, Hey, we're playing on Saturday. You think you could learn by Saturday? And they gave me a list of like 40 songs and Damn. it was a cover. It was a cover set. So I had the advantage of, I knew the songs and I just didn't know how to play them. So I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I got it. I got it. You know, like confident, but, uh, got off the phone was like, shit. Okay. So I, um, I made a mixtape of all the songs and just played it Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Just like nonstop played it by myself. So I, I get together with those guys to jam, to play what would be my first ever show. And I didn't know anything. So my buddy would call out a chord, say, oh, it's, you know, D-A-G, whatever. And I was like, what? I don't know what's that. But once I was shown what a G chord is, once I was shown what an A chord is, yeah. like, I knew I knew what that was. I just didn't know. I didn't associate it with the actual. Like you, you knew the sound more, right? Did you figure? I knew the sound and I knew how to, I, I could play it. I knew like, oh, that that's the chord in the song. I just yeah. didn't know that it was called G or A or yeah. whatever, you know. <laughs> but I, I learned that I learned that pretty quick. I mean, that's that's just a matter of like trial and error. Yeah, yep. I want to talk about that. Your first band, your uh, Cherry, Cherry Monroe, right? Yeah. Um, did you guys sign a label at a, at the? Now this is when you're like in your early twenties, right? I presume. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, oh, yeah, I was in my early twenties, and we signed with Universal Records. Yeah. Now, dude, as a twenty-year-old kid, I mean, to sign with a label, I mean, that must feel like. Fuck. All right. Oh, that this was it. I, I was like, I was like, that's it. My life. I figured my life out. Like, yeah, that's, this is what I am now. Like this is a musician. That must've yeah. been the greatest feeling, man. I, I mean, I can only yeah, imagine. It was, it was very validating. Mm. Then <sighs> afterwards I... you immediately, afterwards you immediately realize that like not a whole lot has changed and you still have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that uh, documentary with uh, 30 seconds to Mars about the music industry? I haven't, but it's probably uh, should, good. What's it called? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's the only uh, 30 Seconds to Mars documentary they came up came out with. 
But uh, they talk about the music industry and how tough it was. I mean, it still is. They've gotten better now. But before, I mean, they used to just rob musicians. That was their model. And the yeah. musicians got the worst of it, really. But um, so I'm thinking, all right, so you're a young 20-year-old kid signed to a label. You're feeling good. And you had a song, right? Satellite, was it? Yeah, yeah. It, it was... Uh did pretty well for us. I mean, I mean, not to overstate what it was, but it hit like 80, 80 in the top 100 charts or something like that. Yeah. So. And did you cool. hear like on MTV and all that? Um, they never, they never played the video. We got, a, we got a lot of national radio play. Um, Howard Stern played us one time oh, because cool. like he was going, he was switching over to satellite radio at the time. And it was just, I mean, coincidence that our song was called that but <laughs> i have this clip of him talking he's like did you ever hear this band uh it's uh i never heard from chairman row or something i don't know but they have a song called satellite i was just like we just got roasted by howard stern that's rad <laughs> yeah i love that guy man that guy is yeah. shit he could just bring out the inside man he's this guy is just great with um so uh this is not the howard stern show so i'm sorry i feel you know hey man just, you got to put your hours in you got to put the practice in <laughs> to get there you're right wnbc once i get it's funny Ooh. all right so you were a young band and now how long were you in uh cherry monroe like did you guys like stay a band for a while did you break up after uh it was pretty it, it was relatively short-lived i would say okay. we were a band for probably three years um okay. and then as as it happens just you lose you lose the momentum that you you know we had a lot of momentum early and it went for a while and then once you feel that momentum go the wrong way we were young guys and it just felt like you can't possibly rebuild anything of this it's over because my yeah. i didn't realize the if i had a little bit more experience under my belt at that time you realize that all you got to do is adjust and put something else out and just don't break up. The only way a band can fail really is if you don't break up, you know? And yeah. That's what we that's, did. <laughs> that's true. Is it? I feel that at the pressure of a band, um, I think they break up mostly. Well, you know, obviously they have differences, but it really just starts off. Now this is just my opinion, but it For really it just pressure. For us, yeah. it was pressure. It got to the point that, like, uh, when my phone would ring, it would be like, oh, what do they want? What do I got to do? You know? Yeah. What started out as fun turned into stress and pressure, and that's why we, we broke up, really. Yeah. Now, were you guys a New York band, or did you move to New York or something? Because I, I would assume that Pittsburgh, you know... You we play New York a lot, and that's where we, okay. that's where we showcased, and that's where we got signed. Um, but we got our deal because... Uh, so three of us were from Pittsburgh and two of us were from Youngstown, which is probably an hour west of Pittsburgh in Ohio. And then if you go north two hours, you have Cleveland. So we would just do Pittsburgh, Youngstown, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Youngstown, Cleveland. We do that triangle. And if we weren't playing one night in Cleveland, we were promoting in Youngstown or, or handing out yeah. CDs in Pittsburgh or, or whatever, just we were very active and we were consistent. So just did that triangle. And then <clears throat> we had an indie label that put out our first indie album. And uh, when that came out, it came out with, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it was like an Eminem album and Britney Spears released an album. And then in the Youngstown area, we were number three in sales. So like Eminem, Britney Spears, Cherry Monroe. And 
it just blipped the radar enough that we got a showcase. That's all it did. Right. So we worked our, we, we did, we worked that triangle, got enough sales in the area that we were able to get a showcase. We showcased for Universal, Island Def Jam, uh, Columbia, and Sony Red, which was an imprint of Sony. So you were thinking, all right, this is going places. You know, we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna be all right. Right before all the turmoil and all that shit. Well, I mean, that was the, that was the fun part. That was the part yeah. where it's just like, we haven't sure there's failure, but it's like, okay, we'll set this goal, attain it. Okay. Well, we didn't set this goal, attain it. Okay. Well, our goal was we'll put an album out. Okay. Well, we'll put the album out. Well, get a record deal, got a record deal, you know, or get a showcase. So at, at that point we, we were just having fun. Now, New York city is like my, my home really. Uh, it's my heart. But, uh, so did you have a favorite, uh, venue in New York city? I liked, we played the Mercury Lounge a handful of yeah. times, uh, which was owned by the Bowery Ballroom, but it was smaller. Mm-hmm. So if you can't fill the Bowery Ballroom, they put you in the Mercury Lounge. That was cool. Um, we used to play this place called Snitch a lot. And um, don't talk it was, about it. You can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. Um, it, was, it was on the second floor. I, I forget what part of town it was in, but we were told. At the time, it was owned by like Slash, like the guys in Velvet Revolver owned this yeah. bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. And whether it's true, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was told. And it had backline, so the amps were already set up and everything. So it's like we're playing Slash's amp right now. That's kind of cool. Uh, other oh. than that, the place was tiny. The stage was basically a drum riser and enough space. I'm telling like you're standing in about that much space. Oh, we're on. Okay, we're not on video. We had about a foot of stage. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Stage. <laughs> I forgot too. So I was just like looking yeah. at you, like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but People I forgot to. Like, I can't see you, man. There was about a foot of stage between the amp and falling off into the crowd. And um, it's New York City, so you'd get there at four o'clock, do sound check, and sit around and play at one thirty a.m. You know, so it was kind of crazy but that being said you play at 1 30 a.m to it like a packed house it was full you know yeah yeah you get the you get the rowdies man you get the people that are all nice and little buzz or drunk you know yeah man i love new york city i miss it so much i do too did uh, you ever live there yeah yeah i lived there for i think a total of seven six years off and on but uh in boston and la are usually the big cities that i lived in the most it's crazy when you go there. I remember the first time I was in New York City, like I've never, I didn't experience it ever before, but it has a vibe. It like has an energy and you feel it. You're in, you're in New York and you're like, things are going on. This is awesome. You know, it's like every time I'm there, it's like, it feels special for some reason. Yeah. You're alive. I don't know why people yeah. drink coffee because honestly, I just walk around and I just have energy. I just, I think of stuff. Yeah. I have ideas for like movie ideas, music ideas. Just, it just, there's something about it just like, you know, lightens up. Great city for Christmas too. It's a great Christmas city. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm biased because we, when we went up and showcased, it was uh, in November and then we went up and actually signed a deal in December. So it was just like oh, happy Christmas time for vacation, <laughs> happy time, good things going on. It's just like a good period of time. You didn't notice, you didn't notice the yellow snow. <laughs> the, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't smell the piss sewage. in the street. Yeah. <laughs> You were just happy. I wasn't, you were like, <laughs> I wasn't looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> you just signed the contract. You're happy. <laughs> now, after New York, now I know I met you in Los Angeles when I was living in LA. I think it was the second time around, I think. I, I lived yeah. there. And I was trying to figure out where, because I've seen you before uh, other shows, but I was trying to figure out where 
I met you and I think, okay. Cause I, I actually, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I was thinking this yesterday too. I was like, am I an asshole if I don't remember? But then I was like, <laughs> I think I do. I think I do remember. So, I mean, ahead. I mean, you know, we, we both meet a lot of people. So it's like the fact that we actually can remember, well, we'll see anyway. I, um, it was over in Silver Lake and I think it was the satellite, right? Was it called the satellite? Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Satellite. This podcast is going to be called a satellite. <laughs> uh, Cause it's just ironic. That word's coming up. That word's coming a lot, coming up a yeah. lot in this podcast. And uh, uh, oh, it was a Nirvana tribute. All these bands are like playing Nirvana music, and I remember finding out like or late, and uh, I was thinking, oh shit, I gotta go out there, blah blah. I gotta check out because I have I needed some Nirvana music, you know. And um, met some of the musicians. They're pretty cool. You guys came around. I don't. Was it a big band or was it a small? It was like a four piece, right? I think it was. Yeah, I had a um, I had a side project with some friends of mine, mm. uh, and they yeah they it was a it was a Nirvana tribute night, and there was a whole bunch of bands, and all the bands were playing you know two or three Nirvana songs. We played I don't what did we what did we play? We played Drain You and I don't know that you can't ask. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't, I don't remember. know. I just remember yeah I remember we played two songs. Yeah, because I think everybody played like two two songs, right? I think that's what yeah. it was. Now, that place was pretty cool, man. I'm surprised it wasn't as packed, though, because, and I heard it used to be packed all the time, but um, it sucks because the, the layout of it is pretty cool. You have the upstairs little window where you, where you can still see the band, but you can still have drinks up at the bar. You have, like, thing, cool you know? tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty cool setup. I, li- I like going it's, to that place. It's nice for bands to, it, like, I'm always surprised by how many venues are not set up to help the band out like with loadout where to store your gear and everything in the satellite and silver like anyone's ever played there it has a stage and has this little like storage room behind the stage that has access to outside oh yeah yeah yeah. it just makes it makes a nice it's helpful for turnover of the bands you know it's you're not getting in each other's way and you have space to get your stuff ready and together or out yeah, so I remember seeing you guys there, and then you were in the band called uh, Bad Romantics, right? Yeah, that's that's the band that was playing there that night. Oh, that was a side project. Is that what the band yeah. was? Okay, because then I think I you were like, oh, check us out, you know, and then I saw I looked it up, and I remember a music video. I forgot what the name was, but uh, it was like in black and white, and there was you guys were out in the desert or something, you know? Yeah, that was that was a fun project. We did that. Um, for a little while, but the the main emphasis in my time in LA was was with Warner Drive. I was going to bring that up next, actually, because yeah, I met you through Bad Romantics, but I started to notice that you were playing really good music. Not that you weren't in Bad Romantics, but like a lot of music, a lot more with uh, 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 Driver Warner, uh, Warner Drive, and uh, <laughs> whichever it's how it's listed in the phone book. <laughs> um, I like to say the last name first and then the first name exactly. of the band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Crew Motley. <laughs> Crew Motley. Uh, I have dyslexia when it comes to rock and roll. Um, <laughs> all that drumming. No, but when you were with uh, Warner Drive, you, you were like, I started noticing you guys were just taking off. There goes my buddy Ryan. He's just traveling through Europe and all this. And what was Europe like, man? I've always wondered. I want to live by curiously through bands that just go from America to Europe. Cause I've been through yeah. Europe a bunch of times, but not through music, not with bands. And I just want to know 
you know, what's that feeling like, you know, when you a different country, nobody understands what the other person's saying in, in, in that country, but you can relate through music. You can't lose translation of music. So what was your experience over there? Being a band from America, and then you go to Europe, right off the bat, you at least get their interest. You know, it's, it's like, oh, wow, this band's from Los Angeles. And like, even though that doesn't really mean anything, it gets their interest enough. I think it does. I think, it, I mean, not to us, you're right. But to them, yeah. you're Yeah. I mean, in the whole scheme of things, it doesn't matter where you're from. A good band is a good band. But if you go to another country and you're from Los Angeles, it's it's intriguing. So if you're if you don't suck, you at least have their attention yeah. for a couple of songs. To but you gotta you gotta admit though, like I, you know, being in New York, being in LA and Miami and Boston, the big cities, um, I feel that New York and LA to me have probably the best music in this country. Um, or the biggest showcase, I should say, right? The bigger, bigger stages. Well, they have, I mean, they have the most places to play. Right, you know? exactly. Like LA, I think you're born somehow to become a musician or actor. Like art is always in, in Los Angeles all the time. Where in New York- Well, because it's, right it's right down the street. I mean, if, right. you, if you're born in Los Angeles, all you gotta do is get in your car and drive 20 minutes and you could be the actor, you could be the musician, you could be the artist, you can go to the Sunset Strip, you can, it's, it's your backyard. For guys like me and, and Johnny, who's the drummer in Warner Drive, he grew up in Philadelphia, you know, like to, to get the Sunset Strip in our backyard, we had to, had to move across the country. Yeah. I'm envy people that are born in LA, because it, it just, if I was out there with my family around, I would have been even stronger, you know? Yeah, I thought about that too. I think with you anyway, you, you got this work ethic, which is awesome, because you're this guy that, you know, you self-taught yourself, but not only self-taught, you were just driven to be a great guitarist. And I feel like you still constantly are trying to learn. So I, I admire people like that. And I wish I, like, I think I'm a master, what's that? The uh, jack of all trades or the master of none, <laughs> where like, yeah, I, I like that. to learn all these things, drums, guitar, bass, uh, filming, uh, photography, all these, all these things where I can't just be a hundred percent and, and I want to be a hundred percent in music or film, but it's just so hard, you know, cause. The thing with guitar and, and all music in general is like, you never know all of it. There's always something to learn even the best guitar player in the world can get better or can do something different or can write a new song or, you know, it, it's, it never ends. The majority of the most successful musicians on the planet don't credit themselves as being as talented as they are. It's true. You listen to Dave Grohl in an interview and he's always like, kind of being like, I'm just a guy with a, you know, he's just like yeah. so downplays the fact that he's an amazing musician. I know. Like he's called like, the greatest drummer, one of the greatest drummers in the world, which I agree, but then he's like, what are you talking about? I have Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> and like, he yeah. really downplays how big he is. <laughs> yeah. Which you're right. And, and he did say this and I, and I love this um, quote from him. He said, any musician that calls themselves a rock star is an asshole <laughs> because no true musician totally. calls themselves a rock star. They call themselves a musician, a musician and everyone around, around them outside calls them a rock star. That's just, you know, that's so cringeworthy to think, describe yourself that way. Like, I was going to say, you know, when I introduced you, hey, I got a rock star. I'm like, mm, no, be too cheesy. <laughs> and, and, that, and he's not, <laughs> yeah, he'll hang up. <laughs> I've read that you've recorded with a bunch of uh, amazing producers. I mean, you've been surrounded by incredible talent. Yeah. I mean, do you 
somehow wrap your your head around how do you wrap your head around this i mean this is like how how do you look at it it's weird man i just like when 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 certain things happen i'll tell some stories to some yeah i think i'll fall shit but like enough stuff happened that it's like it's just a combination of luck and it, just being around good people I and mean, the majority of the people that i've traveled this trip with have been good people there have been some there have been a handful of shitty people but you know mostly yeah. good people and like just worked really hard you know like yeah. cherry monroe and warner drive both i mean just had a work ethic you um been in studios with uh like a producer from green uh that produced green day right or pink or uh we we did a uh, we did a album that never came out I, it was more of a more of an ep uh with a uh-huh. guy that mixed green day mixed pink um and then he produced rep so that was that was pretty cool we moved uh cherry monroe moved to los angeles for like a month or two oh uh, and that never um, got released because you guys did you guys it, break it up? never came out because that's that was around the time that things stopped we joke around about doing a reunion or I even like a, a, a local show for like yeah a day or because it ended so like the reality of that band just to sum it up is we were very active and then it ended pretty abruptly so it never had that closure you know that i still get emails to this day of people being like do you think you'll ever get back together it's like i'd do it tomorrow i have no problem with that I, I, you know that was a five-piece band was it five-piece band yeah now in um warner drive is that I feel like you guys have 10 people on stage. I don't know why. It just feels like a lot it's of five. stuff. Well, we're the kind of, we're the kind of band that like, it'll be like, come on up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a clip of us in Germany and we're playing a festival in Germany and um, a band of friends named Vaden uh, were on that bill as well. And so we're in Germany and we're doing a festival right. and we have some other bands that are friends of ours and they came up, we're doing a cover of like, I don't know, like Rebel Yell or something like that. And there's like seriously 15 people on stage. It's like guitars and other people singing and I can't even get to my microphone. I'm standing back by the drum riser, like trying to make room for like all my friends just running around. It's funny. If this was a video podcast, I would share the video with you right now, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I think um, when I saw you last, it was, uh, uh, what's that bowling alley, that bowling place in LA, Hollywood. Lucky Strike. Yep, that's the place. Uh, I remember seeing you guys there for the first time as Warner Drive, or you. And uh, it was a good show, man. And just thought, yep, these guys are going to play. And I looked up, going to Europe tour and all this. I'm like, damn, they're just going to just fucking take take off from here. Yeah. So I'm, I moved to Los Angeles the winter of 2011. And I met I met Warner Drive around April of that same year. And we did a national tour in July. So I was in LA for maybe six months and we played the Viper Room on January. I forget the exact date, but it was the end of January. It was like one year since I'd moved to Los Angeles. And I used to keep a calendar in my computer of all the shows that I've done. And I calendared out that, that year and that Viper Room show was 100. So in the first year that I moved to Los Angeles, I played 100 shows. Damn. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. That's a good spot to have number 100, man. Yeah. It was such a weird coincidence. And that's my favorite place. I love that yeah. place so much. Even just, even as just a bar to go to and yeah. meet up with friends or get a beer, that place is awesome. I hope it makes it through this. <sighs> Me too. Shit show um, I, uh, my favorite hangout spot is the rainbow, obviously, because everyone just hangs out there and it's so much fun. Yeah. 
but my favorite place to hang out, listen to music, like all my friends work there um, at the Viper Room. And it's just a fucking, I mean, it's just perfect. The sound is great. It's all black. You know, it, it's everything. It's a dive bar. It's a great music venue. If you're if you're hanging out with somebody and you want to be able to talk and hear, you can go downstairs. They have that second bar downstairs yeah. where it's quieter. Yeah, and you know, forget about the history. Even if it didn't have the history of all these rock stars, or musicians hanging out, or actors. The Roxy's, even like, up, the Roxy's up there too. The Roxy's a great place to play. Yeah. It's so I was, t- I was talking earlier about a place that's set up to be easy on the musician. Well, this is it. Like they have the little side stage where you can uh, unload your gear easy they have a backstage that's upstairs but you can it you don't see any of it so like you can come out from backstage onto the stage and if i had to have one knock about the viper room you have to go from the backstage area the viper room is that to the street (laughs) no it's like it's the booth beside the bathrooms and Oh you yeah. Carry your, you have to carry your guitars from that booth up to the stage. Yeah. And I mean, when we play the Viper room, it's, it's full. So like you're kind of squeezing between people and I don't know. It, no, it, that I sound is like a, a douchebag. I sound like a douchebag right now. It's just like it, it, carrying a guitar and like squeezing through and everything. It takes the whole mystique of the curtain opening away from your show. Yeah. You know? But I think uh, maybe now I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I agree with you. I think, Maybe they just wanted to somehow connect musicians to audience before shows or after shows. But you're right. It just doesn't, I don't know. I think they just didn't, like, it, where where would you even put storage behind that stage? It's right out on the road, you know? It's, it's like the whiskey. If you, go to, if you go to the whiskey, you have to unload onto the sidewalk. There's no other space to, to do that, you know? Yeah. I think, though, as, as a fan... It's kind of cool to see the musicians unload. It's like you're getting backstage pass without having to pay for the backstage, yeah. you know? So that's the cool part about it. That so the I devil's admire. advocate of that would be the musician <laughs> that just got done playing. He has like a sweaty shirt on and he's packing his stuff up and he has people coming up and like, hey, man, you know, like, first of all, I love when people come up and talk. So I'm not complaining about that. But it's like, give me five minutes in, in the little space your room to put my shit yeah. away and then i'll get a drink and then i'll come back and talk and shoot the shit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right one of my, favorite, my favorite people though because that's my like my personality i'm not really outgoing to go up and talk to somebody or spark a conversation with like somebody that just you know a musician or or somebody that i don't know so when yeah. someone comes up and talks to me like i appreciate that because that's the step that i, I probably wouldn't take you know, see, that's the I'm the opposite. I'm like the guy going over immediately, like, what's up, man? Yeah, <laughs> dude, like L.A. is my favorite. I miss it so much. I, I wonder, are you going to go back after all this is over? What's your plans after my plan? I mean, I talk to my friends there now. They're like, it's getting back to kind of normal. I don't. That's just what they say. I would love to go well, back. I miss it dearly. I mean, the last what's it? 10 years of my life have been there and like you know i lived uh you know where the laugh factory is i lived on laurel oh really that's a good yeah, spot I man La- i lived on laurel it was the best neighborhood dude walk walk wherever you wanted <laughs> to walk to drive if you wanted to drive like it felt like you were close to like minds trying to do what you're doing you know yeah you remember that um west from um puddle of mud puddle of mud there you go my so buddy matt's their guitar player yeah, nice. I when I first moved to LA or the second time around, this guy sits next to me with a dog. 
And I'm like, oh, cool pup, man. And we start talking baseball, women, all this stuff. We didn't even talk about music. And he tells me his story. His dog's been living a double life. So I'm like laughing at this story. Then we start talking about music. And he's like, oh, you play music? Yeah, I play music. No, no bands or anything, but yeah, I play. I dabble. It's like, I'm like, what about you? He's like, ah, I'm, in, I'm in this band. Uh, we used to be pretty big in the 90s. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's, uh, what's, what's, and I don't know why I didn't notice it because I know what he looks like. And uh, you know, it's just like, you, you're not, you're not thinking of it like that. You're just, yeah, bar talking to some dude. You don't, yeah, immediately think that they're somebody. Yeah. I don't go to the whiskey or, or I mean, the Viper or, or the Rainbow just to fucking find people. Just you hang out, you meet the most amazing people. You don't even know who they are. But that's the coolest part. The Rainbow Room, the Rainbow Room, particularly draws in a lot of people yeah i remember playing we played the roxy one night and i was coming out with my guitars i had taken my guitars home with me and um walk out make a right you know the it's the roxy there's that little yeah alley for the parking and then the rainbow room so i make a right and i'm going to my car and i see this big ass rolls royce and vince neal getting out of it it's like, all right cool yeah that's the spot man everybody goes there we played club nokia awesome venue it's like a 3500 person venue and we opened up for sebastian bach from skid row i mentioned earlier i'm not the kind of guy to like go up and 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 introduce myself to people that just like i feel awkward with that but this time i was like i grew up i love skid row grew up listening to them i was like all right i'm gonna go up and say hey to him like i literally just played a show in front of in front of this guy like i can go say hi you know that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) <laughs> and I went to, I went to be like, Hey man, what's up? Like Ryan introduced myself and he was like talking to somebody and he looked at me like, why are you interrupting me right now? And I was just like, <laughs> good show, man. See you later. So I walk away. This confirms exactly why I don't do that. So then like fast forward, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe a year or two later, I'm at the rainbow room with a girl that I was dating and long story short, she, she was kind of crazy. We were having an argument. Those are the and, best ones sometimes. And, and she gets up and, and leaves. We're like leaving. And I go like this as I'm getting out of my booth. I turn around and I see Sebastian Bach is in the booth next to me. And he's just like looking at me like this asshole. And I'm like, <laughs> two things going through my head. Like number one, like kind of a shy dude. That's embarrassing for me. I don't want to be in this situation. I wish I could just disappear right now. And then number two, I'm like, I think he remembered me. (laughs) (laughs) Sure not, but like. Maybe though. You know why? Because like that story I was talking to you about Wes, dude, he's he's like, yeah, I'm in Puddle of Mud and all this shit. And we're like, oh shit. So we talked for like two hours and every bar I go into for the next three months, I not every bar, but like at least twice a week, I bump into him at different bars. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, buddy. That's you weird. It's, it's not like the same place, same time. It's all different yeah, places. It'll be like Buffalo Wild Wings one time because he's a big sports fan. He's from the Midwest. And he'll see me. He's like, hey, buddy, come here over here. He doesn't even remember my name. And I tell him like every time. <laughs> but he, yeah. I think that's his thing, though. But uh, so he'll like, we'll, we'll sit next to each other, drinks and watch baseball and all this shit. But yeah, I'm surprised, though, because he could have easily told me like, fuck off, you know, whatever. Like, that's the thing I miss the most about not being in Los Angeles right now is that like, it's a big city, but Hollywood was kind of like a, felt like a small community. Yeah. You know? My thought was that when I moved back to the East Coast, um, I moved to Virginia. <clears throat> in LA, I lived in, you know, Hollywood, just, just by Sunset and Vine, like a couple blocks. Honestly, I would bump into anyone that's everyone, you know? Yeah. In like, yeah, uh, by a lot the of theater. stuff goes on in that area. Yeah, by like, Arc Light Cinema, like all the actors are just there, or comedians. 
Um, and I would hang out at the, um, the comedy room and my roommate was a comedian. So I would always go with him and we would just bump into everyone. So like, I'm so it's used my favorite, to being, it's my favorite thing to do. Go, yeah. go watch comedians. Oh, dude, like even, bad. even more, even more than bands. Like I love going and watching bands, but there's something about watching a comedian. Cause like yeah. to get up on stage, to get up on stage in front of people with nothing but you and be entertaining is i'm envious of yeah mind blown and not not only that if you're a band like people will give you a song or two of a chance to to whether they're going to stay or leave or not if you're a comedian you have like 20 seconds (laughs) yeah and also comedians they always have to have new stuff like musicians you could have a great hit song right a band could have a great hit song and they could play mediocre through the night, but once that great hit song comes on, everybody's just like, "Yeah, I'm pumped up." It's different sure. with a comedian. If you yeah. tell the same, if you tell the same thing for too long, it's like you're that guy that's just like repeating yeah. Yeah. the story that everyone already knows. But I listen to podcasts with comedians on it, and they're like, "Can you imagine being a musician? You got to do the same thing every night." So I think their minds are just like wanting to create that new thing. They want to be in that environment of spontaneity. When I'm around like the comedy store. These guys are just so down to earth. And not that musicians aren't, but musicians, I feel like, always feel that there's maybe a little bit of someone's always watching you, where comedians don't give a shit. They just... The musicians are, yeah, like, they're, it's about your image. Your image plays a part of it. And, like, yeah. the bands like Led Zeppelin that had that mystique and things like that, that's the coolest part about me. And the Rolling Stones, like they're living legends, you know? And I think musicians always want to try to have a little bit of that to them. But then at the same time, like it's just a different world, like with social media and everything that doesn't exist anymore. Comedians seem to be more like more real human beings. Yeah. Like they'll talk about their own flaws and they'll roast their friends over things that they do. (laughs) They got balls, man. I want to talk really quick about your kickboxing. (laughs) I found this out that you're a kickboxer, right? That you, that you and I'm like, I, what? I try to be. I try. Yeah. To be. How, tell me about this kickboxing thing with you. I've always enjoyed exercise. I've always enjoyed sports. I've always enjoyed watching MMA. I never did it. Um, and then one day, I was just like, you know what? I felt like trying something new. So I went to uh, in Hollywood Kings MMA, which is uh, just a MMA gym in Hollywood. And for the past couple of years, I, that's, that, those were my exercises. I went there until the gym had to close down because of the pandemic. This time last year, maybe a month down the road where I was like talking to my, I remember talking to my mom and dad being like, do you think it's safe to like still be going to the gym? Because like you get sweat and spit all over each other and you spar yeah. and, you know, get bloody sometimes. And I, you know, with the pandemic. Yeah. You can't do that it, shit. It, it, I, I, I haven't, I haven't done it since the pandemic, but yeah. Did you actually fight people and stuff for fun? You know, like sparring, I guess, is what I would call it. Well, in class. I mean, sparring is part of class. Um, Did you enjoy getting kicked? (laughs) No. No one (laughs) enjoys getting kicked. But here's the thing. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's um the the thing the thing that I enjoy about sparring is when you're done with it and you're like oh, I just did that okay like I, it proved to myself that I could get through something that's uncomfortable you know like I'll get philosophical for a minute I think it's important to test yourself and to do things that make you feel uncomfortable but I remember I remember when I, we were sparring one time and I got cracked in the face it gave me a black eye okay it didn't really hurt have you seen Kickboxer yeah. Okay, because you said blood sport, but I, I was thinking, oh, maybe he hasn't seen Kickboxer. 
yeah, but, yeah, for sure. Those movies are, I mean, I don't know how well they're aging, but I think they're pretty good. <laughs> I just saw it maybe like three months ago. It's still good. You know what cracks me up the most, though, is the um, Cobra Kai that's on Netflix now. <laughs> it's like one of the most popular Netflix shows. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I watch it and it's good because it's entertaining. It's fun. It's a fun show, mm-hmm. but you watch those fight scenes and <laughs> they are so corny. <laughs> like if you punch someone in real life they don't spin in the air three times <laughs> fall to the ground you know yeah it's not street fighter the video game um ryan dude it's been a blast uh thank you so much for giving me some time to chat uh talking about the things i love music film comedy and all that it's just a blast and i honestly think after this year I'm just going to do a tour going everywhere and seeing everyone that I interviewed and just like drink and like be around, you know, and like party and jam. I can't wait to get back to being, being like social again. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, uh, is there, there's for sure going to be an adjustment phase of like being uncomfortable being out in public around people. I I think we're going to be fine in the next, by the end of the year, we're going to get back into socializing. You know, we had some, we had some shows canceled. This past year, we were supposed to go to Europe. We had an LA show that got canceled and they just rescheduled them for this summer. And, you know, they may or may not happen. We'll, we'll find out in the next coming months. But like, if you're at a festival, you're outdoor. I think that's okay. But if you're playing like the Viper Room or something and you're indoors like that. I think by that time, people are going to be, you know, vaccinated. And people, yeah. in order to get into the venue, say like the Viper Room, you have to show your vaccine card. That's just what like I heard, I heard like Live Nation is making it where you show your vaccine card to buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Your license, your vaccine card matches. Boom. You know, and all right. Yeah. You know, and maybe like that quick swab thing of like, I don't know. That'd be kind of weird, though, to be tested at every show. That'd be weird. Did you but, hear about the did you hear about the um, new the new Chinese testing where they stick the swab up people's buttholes? No. Yeah. It's like, you know, the nose swab, but they have a different one. I don't, I mean, I, I just read an article that I, they may or may not be doing this, but can you imagine like you go to the Viper room and you have to have your butthole swab to get in and watch a band play? That'd be. <laughs> you would have to be an asshole. You need sound effects. I'm telling you, you need sound <laughs> effects, man. This is that type of podcast. You need sound yeah, effects. This is uh, just season one. All right. Wait till uh, better equipment comes in and I'm going to be rolling with sound effects. <laughs> I'm going through it too, man. Like I said, Johnny and I are starting a podcast. We didn't, we haven't launched yet, but just like all the. Well, send me the, the deets, man. I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be there yeah. frontline listening. So yeah, we're, we're figuring it out. So here's what happened with that. We, we were calling the podcast stories and we were, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S, like so tour stories. And we were getting ready to launch it. And then somebody launched a podcast with the same name. They were like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess it wasn't as creative as we thought it was. Somebody else thought of it. It's like tour stories, stories. Like, sure, the idea is, I guess, kind of generic. But yeah, so we, we took that and we sort of thought about the idea a little bit more. It's funny because I think that naming a podcast is as similar as trying to name the band. And I'm just like, all right. It's the exact dude. We had that conversation. Uh, it's the same thing. You, I come up with a name that I like. You're like, meh. You come up with a name that you like. I'm meh. You come up with something that you both yeah. like and you check it. It's taken. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Trust me. Uh, right before I launched, I swear to God, it was going to be called The Treehouse, right? 
<laughs> like hanging in with a treehouse. I was thinking like the, the concept of talking to friends at a treehouse and drinking and talk, telling stories. But then at the last minute when I'm about to, you know, launch it or, or um, publish the first one, I'm like that sounds so fucking cheesy and weird. There's a friend of mine who calls me Wally McWalterson. You ever saw uh, Children's Hospital, the TV show? Uh, I don't think so. It's funny. It's just twelve minute an episode, and there's this one. Is that character. the one where the is that the one where the doctor's a clown? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with blood okay. and the yeah, yeah, that's the one. It's funny as hell. It's one of my favorite shows. I sat next to that guy on an airplane once. Um, if you'd say his name, I'd know Rob it. Rob uh, Cordry. Rob Cordry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat next to him on an airplane going to Toronto. <laughs> He's actually how he's the creator of that um, that uh, TV show. Yeah. Funny guy. Yeah, and the reason why he created that or how he created it is because uh, his daughter was sick and took her to Children's Hospital. Something was wrong, and so he was thinking, "Huh, imagine like all these doctors having sex," and he just started having ideas, and then boom, that's where that that uh, TV show came out. So it's fucking awesome, Crazy. Um, dude. Thanks so much for being here, man. Uh, no problem, man. We'll catch up soon and let me know about the uh, the uh, new podcast coming out so I could plug that in for you too. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Take care. and Sounds good. All right. Later, bro. Keep in touch. Keep in touch, man. And that was Ryan Harris, a very talented musician, guitarist. Um, definitely check out his band. They'll be touring in the summer, hopefully, maybe in the fall. Uh, we'll see. Can't thank you guys enough for the support and uh, just for listening. Again, complicated animals. I love them and I thank them to death for their theme song to this podcast. It's called Roadmaps. It's a great song and I think it fits perfectly with this podcast because in a way I am on the road with this podcast, just traveling all through East, West, even into Europe, uh, talking to friends and all this, and it's been a blast. And tune in next week. We're going to have a special treat for you. Until next time, I love you. (laughs) 